I want to tell you a true story. You know it's a story when I start out by saying it's a true story, right? Elderly couple lives somewhere south of Dallas, Texas. And he's at work, and his wife calls him on the phone and says, Honey, I need a few things for dinner tonight. Would you stop and pick them up? Well, he gets out of work late. He's in a hurry. He runs in the store. He leaves his keys in the car. He gets the things his wife needs. And when he comes out, the car is gone. Well, he starts to fume a little bit. And he calls his wife on the phone. She comes, picks him up. They call the police. They report the stolen car. They fume the rest of the night. Dinner is not pleasant. He gets up the next morning, and the car is parked in the driveway. And there's a note on the windshield with an envelope. The note says, I'm so sorry. I had an immediate emergency, and there was your car. The keys were in it, and I just used your car. Please forgive me. Open the envelope. Please also accept these two tickets to Sunday's Dallas game. Dallas Cowboys. He takes the tickets. He runs in the house. He said, honey, we're going to the game on Sunday. He didn't even say the car is back. He said, we're going to the game on Sunday. So Sunday comes. They get all ready. They put on all their Cowboys gear. And they head out to the Texas Stadium, the old stadium. And, uh, and uh, they go to the game. They get back kind of late that evening because it's a bit of a drive. And when they open up the door, the house is empty. Cleaned out. All of the appliances even are gone. They even took all the faucets off the sinks. Everything was gone. Now, I thought that story was pretty sad when I read it. But there's an illustration there, and it has to do with temptation and sin. See, temptation is one of those things that makes everything look very good. Sin is one of those things that will come and deceive you, and it'll draw you in, and after it has drawn you in, it'll clean you out. And the fact is, what we want to talk about today is the whole business of temptation. Because last time we spoke, we spoke about forgiveness. Then Jesus says, on the very heels of that, Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the word that's translated evil is paneros. Paneros. And the word actually means the evil one. So it's referring to Satan. So, Father, do not lead us into temptation and deliver us from Satan, from the evil one. So it is Satan who is the one who tempts us. Now, I, I've been working on this message a uh, couple of weeks, I took it with me to Idaho, and I kept asking myself, why in the world do I want to preach on temptation? And uh, I kept asking God, God, why can't Josh? 
preach this message on temptation. Uh, I guess I got to the end of last week and God reminded me that the reason he wanted me to do it is because he needed somebody who had a lot of experience. And that results in me. So, so the result is, is that we're going to talk about temptation. Let me explain something to you. Half of all the problems of life can be traced to saying yes, no quickly, uh, too quickly, and not saying no soon enough. That's the way we go through life. We go through life with temptations on us, and too soon we are ready to say yes. We don't say no soon enough or often enough. Temptation is a big subject. I think sometimes when you hear people talk about temptation, I I don't think preachers talk about temptation often enough because it is something that you and I experience every day of our lives many times a day in our lives, and I think the preachers ought to be talking about something that is that frequent and that prevalent. The problem is, some of the information that we get on temptation is not the right information. It's wrong. And that becomes a problem for us. So I want to try to straighten a few things out today. Let me define it for you. Temptation is testing. This word that is used in the Bible, in the New Testament, um, uh, pyrosmos, the word is. And it's translated most of the time, temptation. It can be translated proving. Once in a while, you find it translated trying. But it is a testing, a trying, or a proving Uh, of a person. An example of that would be when Jesus was tempted, Matthew chapter 4, you discover that the reason that Jesus was tempted was to authenticate his Messiahship. It proved once and for all that he was the spotless Lamb of God. And his Messiahship was authenticated through the temptation. I love the passage. I love to preach on the passage because there's a lot in the text. The beauty of it is every time Jesus went back to the Word. He went back to the Scriptures. He went back to the Bible. We'll talk about that. Temptation in the Bible, temptation is a trial with a beneficial purpose or effect. And that's what it was when Jesus was tempted. So when you are tempted, you have to remember that there may be some benefit. Temptation is a bad thing. We don't want to struggle with it. We don't want to deal with it. But the fact is, it can bring good stuff to us if we know how to use it. Uh, Remember that in James chapter 1, verse 13, God does not tempt us. It tells us God is not the one who tempts us. This passage uh, in this, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer is telling us more likely it's the evil one who is the one who tempts us. God, don't let us be tempted and keep us from the evil one. Because he's the guy who tempts us. 
um, remember someone has said, the trouble with trouble is that it always starts out as fun. In the context of temptation and sin, the trouble with trouble is that it always starts out as fun. And that's what we're talking about. How fun is it to get to go to a Dallas Cowboy game? But the fact is, you get cleaned out in the process. So what I would like to do is talk about temptation a little bit. It's not wrong for you and me. We know God does not tempt us, but it's not wrong for you and me to say to God, God, uh, uh, don't allow me to be tempted or allow me to use the temptation for my good. Uh, let me define one other thing. Uh, I had a friend years ago who was an alcoholic and he wanted to stop drinking. And uh, he carried my card around in his wallet. And whenever he was tempted, he would call me on the phone. Sometimes it was 3 a.m. in the morning. And I would get dressed and go get him and take him to an all-night restaurant and buy him coffee as long as he could drink it. The more coffee I put in him, the less room there was for the alcohol. And so by the time we would walk out of there at 7, 8, or 9 o'clock in the morning, he'd be over the temptation. One time he called me on the phone. He said, Rich, really pray for me. I'm being tempted. I said, tell me about it. He said, I've been drinking all week. I said, wait a minute. I said, you're not being tempted. You're in the pool swimming. Let's make sure that we understand temptation is not sin. In this case, the guy was already sinning. He was already in the pool. You can't say, pray for me. I'm being tempted because I've been drinking all week. You can't say, pray for me, I'm being tempted. I have a woman who is not my wife. You can't say, pray for me, I'm being tempted. I've been shoplifting for 10 years. So we have to understand that temptation is not the sin. So I would like to show you this morning, one, what man's... uh, solution to this is and why it doesn't work. And then I'd like to show you what God's solution is and why it works and how to make it work. So here's where we're going. Number one, why man's solution doesn't work. Now out by that part of your outline, I want you to write what man's solution is. Here's man's solution. Don't do it. Three words. Man's solution is stop doing it. Three words. Man's solution is if you don't want to do that, don't do it. If you don't want to uh, do whatever it is you're doing, then stop doing it. It's as simple as that. Uh, I love it. You know, we make resolutions. We say, we say, On January 1st, as of this day, I am going to blank every day this year. 
by January 4th, we are not blanking anymore. Uh, I love the 3 by 5 card process. We write it on a 3 by 5 card. We, we say, I am going to blank every day. And you put a date on it. From this day forward, I am going to blank. And we stick it up on our mirror where we can't help but see it. Ten days down the road, we look at it, but we've been blanking for six days. You notice, I can't resist blanking. So the idea of just don't do it doesn't work for us. It, it, we don't have the ability to make it work. So let me tell you why man's solution doesn't work. Here's the first reason. Temptation strikes at our weakest points. Temptation strikes at our weakest points. Let me explain. Temptation doesn't play fair. We live in a world with, a, with an enemy who's not going to play fair to get what he wants. You know... Uh, it reminds me of the nature of the situation we are in in the world. The world is fighting an enemy that doesn't play fair. They don't play by the Geneva rules. The result is temptation hits us at the worst times when we are weak, when we're hurting, when there's trouble in our finances, trouble in our family, trouble in our marriage. Trouble on our job. All of these things hit us, and we're weak, and we're burned out, and we're empty. And then the devil comes with some temptation for us. What's going to happen when the just don't do it? Philosophy is given to us at that point. We're so weak, we can't handle just don't do it. So it hits us at our weakest points when we're hurting Here's the second thing. The law arouses sinful passions. So if I were to say to my friend, alcoholism is wrong. Stop it. He'd walk around thinking, alcoholism is wrong. Alcoholism is wrong. Alcoholism is wrong. Boy, I want to drink. And that's what the Bible teaches. Look at Romans 7, 5. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. See that? The sinful passions in us were aroused by the law. You know the story. You're getting ready to go out in the evening. You put your coats on. You say to your kids, I want you to be good. And there's cookies on the top shelf. Do not eat them. Yeah. See, you understand. That says to the kids, boy, I want one of those cookies. And pretty soon, they're eating cookies. Here's the third thing that becomes very important. Willpower is overrated. Willpower is overrated. I'm going to spend a little time here. So follow me. First of all, in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save 
circle the word save. That which was lost, circle the word lost. Those two words become very important to our discussion this morning. Then I want to go to Colossians chapter 2. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, in other words, if you are saved, if you are born again, God has taken your sin. Why? As if you were living in the world, why do you act like an unbeliever? Do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? Why do you follow these rules and regulations? You know that your willpower can't handle them anyway. Jump down to these rules and regulations in accordance with the commandments of the, where do they come from? The teachings of men. They're created by men. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom. See, you come from a church that is very legalistic, and they say dancing is bad. Don't go dancing. Don't go to that senior prom. And it may look like it's wisdom, but the fact is, you and I don't have the willpower to follow through with it anyway. These matters which have been to sure, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom, which have uh, uh, in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body. See that? We are going to have to beat ourselves up in order to obey the rules of men. But they are of no value against fleshly indulgence. You and I do not have the willpower to be able to follow the rules. A lot of us in this room don't have the willpower to follow the speed limit or put on our seatbelt when we ought to. The result of that is, is that we can't muster up the willpower to say I'm going to do that every time the right way. Now, there's a reason for all of that. The first thing is, is that when Adam took a bite of that fruit, I don't, I don't know whether it was an apple or not, but when Adam took a bite of it, he broke every one of us. We are broken. We are broken in our bodies. We are broken in our hearts. We are broken in our heads. Our brains are broken. And the result of that is we don't have the ability to do the right thing on our own, even if we wanted to. So we are broken. We don't have... That, therefore, our willpower is broken too. We, don't, we can't muster up the willpower to do a good thing because willpower is overrated. In fact, the word that is used for save in the earlier verse there, in Luke 19, the word is the Greek word sozo. sozo. It actually means to restore to wholeness. It means to recreate to reform. So God takes 
what was and restores it back to what it's supposed to be. Before Adam, because after Adam, we are broken badly. If we could do it by willpower, listen, if we could do it by willpower, we would be in the church of the self-effort. We would be in the church of the self-help. But we are not. We are in the church of the blood-stained cross. And that is the only way that we can survive this whole process of temptation. Because willpower is overrated. The problem is not temptation. The problem is that we are lost. We are broken. So that's the bad news. The bad news is man's stuff doesn't work. Uh, Man's solution doesn't work. But God has a solution. So I'd like us to understand a little bit about God's way. And here it is. I want to give you four things real fast that if we practice We will deal with temptation in God's way. Here it is. First of all, reconnect to God as the source of grace. Reconnect to God as the source of grace. Now, I want to give you two statements. They are maybe the most important statements we will give you this morning. Here's the first one. The goal of life is not to stop doing bad things be nice if all of us could do that, wouldn't it? But the goal of life for the New Testament believer is not to do bad things. The goal of life for the New Testament believer instead is to find God and be filled with him. See, we think Satan's strategy is to put another woman in my life. We think Satan's strategy is uh, to help me in the process of doing something wrong, cheating or, or spending or, or uh, abusing somebody or any number of things that I could be doing. <clears throat> I want to tell you that Satan's strategy is way more sophisticated than that. Satan's strategy is not to help you do something wrong. Satan's strategy is to separate you from your heavenly Father. And when Satan is able to separate you from the Father, the power goes off. Think of vacuuming. Somebody walks up and pulls the plug. What happens? The vacuum stops. The, the goal in your life and mine has to be to find God and to be filled with Him. Not for a year, uh, not for a day, not for an hour, but by the second that I want to be filled with God this very second. And the next second. And as I live with God minute by minute like that. That's why, remember Jesus said, give us this day our daily 
bread. He wants us dependent on him moment by moment. And we need to be filled with God. And as we are filled with God, then we begin to deal better with temptation. You know, I, over the years, I've concluded that none of us decide to screw up our lives. You know, there, there are some people you look at and you think they've just decided to make a mess out of their lives. I think the reason some people screw up their lives is because they have never set into place the mechanisms not to screw up their lives. We don't plan to screw up our lives, but we don't plan not to screw up our lives. And I think that what we're saying here is that we need to keep the plug plugged in to the Father, and as long as we are constantly plugged in to the Father, then we are going to be able to deal with the temptations that come to us. Here's the second thing about this. Run from temptation. Did you hear that? Get out of Dodge. Um, remember Joseph in Genesis 39? Potiphar's wife wanted him. And in verse 12, we are told that he ran from her. He ran so fast and he ran so violently. She had a hold of his cloak and he just, she just ripped it off. He was so desperate to get out of that situation. Are you desperate to get out of your, your temptation? We find it in the New Testament in 2 Timothy 2.22. Now flee from youthful lusts. And perverse and, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and those who call on God from a, on the Lord from a pure heart. So run from it. I think sometimes we forget that temptation is bigger than we are. Temptation is bigger than you are. It'll beat you every time. If you stay in its presence, it'll beat you every time. Temptation is bigger than you are. There's a fellow whose name is Matt. And a number of years ago, uh, he went down to Arizona and he caught a rattlesnake. And he decided to make the rattlesnake a pet. Um, um, he lived in Yakult, Washington. Yakult, Washington is north of Portland, east, maybe as a, as a crow flies, about 60 miles through there. And, uh, and he lived in Yakult. His name is Matt. And so he took the snake, he put it in a cage, and he started treating it like a pet. And then he had a bunch of friends over his house one day, November 17th, 2002. And he caught the snake and he said, I'm going to kiss the snake on the lips. And, and his friend said, no, no, don't do that. He said, oh, I do it all the time. It's no problem. And he got closer and closer and closer. And the snake bit him underneath the mustache on his top lip. He threw the snake back in the container. His lip began to swell. He went unconscious, and they life-flighted him 
to Portland, to a hospital in Portland, where, in fact, they did save his life. It seems to me that's a pretty stupid move. If the devil comes to me, who I might add is a serpent, he comes to me and he brings temptation to me and I stay there and I look at it and I play with it. It's also pretty stupid. And that's why the scriptures tell us to run from it. Here's the third thing. He says, uh, restore your soul. Now remember we said to you earlier that temptation and a, is a trial with beneficial purposes or effect. And sometimes that is the case. So temptation sometimes is a diagnosis of an area where God wants you and me to grow. God doesn't tempt us, but God will use temptation. It may be a place where God is screaming at me. Don't do this and depend on me. Find a way to depend on me. Temptation, if not resisted, soon becomes necessary. See, you have the same temptation coming to you. You, you do it every day, day in and day out, and pretty soon you can't live without it. That's the whole business with alcohol and drugs and tobacco and, uh, and uh, 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 sex addiction and all kinds of other things. The fact is, the more we do it, the more we need it. So how do we deal with it by plugging into God? We do it by plugging in, I think, to God's Word. Remember what Jesus did in the temptation in Matthew 4. Every time the devil came to him and, and tempted him, he went to the Scriptures. He went to the Scriptures. We have a young man in our church now who's been struggling a little bit. He and I have been meeting together, and uh, he's struggling with a particular issue. And I say, let's, let's get some Scripture under our belt. And every time you're tempted to do that, you recite this scripture in your mind. You know, there's something beautiful. Your mind is broken. Your mind is pretty good, but it's broken. And the beauty of it is you can't really do two things at the same time. At least you can't do them very well. And if the devil's coming to you and tempting you to do something, and you start quoting and thinking about a passage of scripture, that temptation's going to go away. That's exactly what Jesus did, and that's what... I remember years ago, my son coming to me with a temptation, and I said, and we memorized together uh, 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 a passage of Scripture, and he still, he's 47, and he still goes through that process. In fact, with that very passage of Scripture. So me and this young guy in our church are... Are, are memorizing some scripture together to be able to deal with temptation when it hits us. It's what I've done for years. It, it makes every time I start quoting scripture to my father, it plugs me right back in to the father and the power comes back on. 
Here's the fourth thing. Well, um, yeah, the fourth thing. Recruit other people. And I give you there James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. You hear that? Does that frighten you? You know it ought not to. You know why? Because every one of us in this room loves the other. Somebody comes to you and says, I've been being tempted in this way, in a confidence, in a confidential way. Keep it confident. Pray for them. Tell them you're praying for them. Uh, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So call on your normal structure of friends. Who would that be? That might be a neighbor. That might be your community group. I strongly, strongly support the community groups. They become your support group. That's the place to share. I've been being tempted in this way or that way. Pray for me. You might even find one of those people that you can call uh, somewhere along the way and say, I've been, I'm being tempted, pray. And they'll pray with you right there on the telephone. And then rely on the 24-hour on-call friends. See, that's what I was with my friend. I was the 3 a.m. guy. And uh, he would call me at 3 a.m. You need somebody who you can call at 3 a.m., who will help you right there on the telephone, who will not condemn you, simply support you, take you to that passage of Scripture that the two of you have read together and start quoting it in your presence and you start quoting it together and pretty soon you're going to be on target. Listen, let me wrap this up. You cannot deal with temptation by saying, I'm not going to do it. And the reason for that is that willpower is way overrated. But the way you can deal with temptation is by sticking the power plug back into place. Because Satan's strategy is to separate you from the Father. Once he's done that, he can do anything he wants in your life. So you are just about to sing these words. I need thee. Lord, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Listen to this. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Because he is the source of our power. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have such great power we have none but when we are plugged into you we benefit from a supernatural power that can conquer supernatural temptation so today father lead us to your word Allow us all to be getting something under our belt that we can quote back to Satan as Jesus did. 
and allow us, Father, to go on from this place honoring you minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, because we are plugged in to our Heavenly Father. Thank you, God, for this incredible truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.